Well, good morning again. Wow, looks great to see you. Look great. Look at your neighbor and say you cleaned up good today. Yeah, yeah look. And the other one you weren't sure of, just give him a wink. <laughs> yeah, so, man, it really looks great to see you today. Wow. I just want to say uh, thank you um, for uh, the gifts and the cards for my birthday. Uh, last week, I turned 69, and that's amazing in itself. If I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd probably taken a little bit better care of myself, but thank you. I was, had the opportunity last week of being with some of my heroes and uh, actually having a birthday lunch with them. When you're in the same room with uh, Rick Godwin and uh, Brian Houston from Hillsong, uh, Steve uh, Kelly from Wave Ministries in Virginia, uh, Kevin Goff from uh, Ministry in the Rock in Arizona, being with some of those guys uh, and spending time with them, it's just an unbelievable time. We were celebrating Rick. Rick's my pastor. I've been in a relationship with Rick for 33 years. The first Wednesday of March, he's going to be with us. Please, empty your calendar, whatever you have, and if you halfway love me, be here. Uh, he's, he's, the, he's the reason that I'm alive today, and I'll share more of that with you. Don't miss that, please. I know it's Wednesdays as we think, well, it's just option, but this one is really important. He carries a real strong apostolic anointing, and I want him to release that. So please be here on that first Wednesday. And then Thursday morning, he's going to meet with a group of us that I, I lead a pastor's prayer group on Thursday morning, and we pray once a month, and he's going to come and speak to us as city pastors. So we're really excited about that, but I really want you to do that. And again, thank you for the uh, thank you for the birthday gifts. I look over those. I read over the cards. I prayed for you. I figure if you took time to give me a card or a gift, I'd take time to pray for you. Uh, if you honor me, I want to be sure I do that. I pray for all of us every day. That didn't sound really good, but anyway, thank God. Thank for what you did. Uh, open your Bibles with me to uh, Genesis chapter three. And we're going to jump in today, continuing our series. If you have your Bible, lift it up. Let's make our, uh, if you have your Bible, your smartphone, your iPad, whatever you have, let's make our confession. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. There was a young guy in a um, tractor, 18-wheeler uh, training. He was going to be a driver. And uh, so the guy posted this question to him, and he said, here it is. Your partner, your driving partner, Ed, is asleep, and uh, you're driving on a two-lane road. It's uh, uh, way out in the middle of nowhere. You look behind you, and there are six 18-wheelers following behind you. And as you come up over the top of the hill you realize all of them are pulling out to pass you. And down the road, you look in front of you, and you can see three 18-wheelers just pulled out to pass somebody else, and they're in your lane coming straight at you. So what do you do? And the guy thought for a moment. He said, I'm going to wake up Ed. And the instructor said, what do you mean you're going to wake up Ed? He said, I'm going to wake up Ed because he ain't ever seen a wreck like this one's about to be. I want to talk a little bit today about wrecks. I want to talk about wrecked relationships. We've been in this series called Tool Time, and we talked about there are various tools in our life to help us. We, we started we saying, you know, we, we, want to, we want to have good spiritual health. 
so we shared with you some tools to help with spiritual health. We said uh, we want us to have good emotional or mental health. And we shared several tools to help us with that. And then we said we want to have good physical health. And let me compliment many of you that have been on track with your physical health. You're getting healthy. You're losing. You're eating right. You've been sharing with me. And I just applaud you today for that because it's going to pay off in the long run. And then we talked about financial health and, and different ways that we can do that. And then last week, Pastor Tony did an awesome job of pulling that all together with a bunch of questions. But today, I want to talk about relationships. I want to talk about relationships. And there are a lot of relationship wrecks. My question to you would be this. Are you a relationship builder or are you a relationship buster? For instance, let's take a look at your social media for the last two years. Let's watch how many relationships that you've been in that was the greatest thing, and then all of a sudden, you felt like that person abandoned you or left you. And so we can look back over your social media posts. You know, it's too bad we post things on social media, or a lot of things we shouldn't let people know. And when we look at that, we would say, you know what? You're not a relationship builder. You're a relationship buster. You're in and out of relationships. Another question I would ask, who is it that you've been in a real relationship with outside of your husband or your wife for years? For years. Relationships take time. I said that I've been in a relationship with Rick Godden for 33 years. He came into my life at a time that I was kicked out by a lot of different things, and people gave up on me and said there's no hope. wasn't bad decisions I made. It was just people that I hung out with made some wrong decisions. And I'll never forget what Rick said. Rick said, a lot of people may leave you, but he said, I'm giving you my word right now. I'll be with you through it all. And he was. He was. He's that kind of guy. And so, you, you, so who is it that you've been in a relationship with that, that would call you? I've been in a relationship with Tony Capps, who, who was here last week, and almost 30 years. And I've uh, been in a relationship with Kevin Goff, who calls me almost every day. says, how are you doing? Checking on you. Are you doing right? Are you treating your wife right? Are you treating people right? We've been in a relationship for 20-something years. Those relationships are not easy. There are times I'll get a call from them or a text from them, and I think, oh, dang, I don't want to talk to them right now. I don't want to answer this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. This is my own personal time. But then I remember what kind of value they add to my life. Relationships long-term are not easy. Relationships long-term are what set us apart from being a builder or a buster. And so today, I want to talk about how, how can we get to that place that we're relationship builders, not busters. So I want to go to the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 3, because um, in this passage today, we'll read a very lengthy passage, uh, we see some of the conflict that arises and how you handle that, that we can apply into our life today. So if you have your Bibles, open it to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, keep it open all morning if you don't mind, or the rest of the morning, because I want to relate back to uh, some of these verses. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Then the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame. Would you underline that phrase, they felt shame? 
at their nakedness. Would you circle that word nakedness? So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Would you circle that phrase, to cover themselves? When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord. Underline that phrase, they hid. They hid from the Lord among the trees. And the Lord called to them and said, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. I was afraid. Underline that word again. I was afraid because I was naked. Underline that, I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me the fruit. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. The Lord asked the woman, what have you done? Then she said, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. And you know what I always say, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Then the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed. More than all the animals, domestic and wild, you crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. But he said to the woman, because you disobeyed, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain, you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband. Would you underline that phrase? You will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Would you circle that phrase, but he will rule over you? I told you it started at the very beginning. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And your life, you will struggle and scratch a living from it. And it will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and dust you will return. So I want to look at this particular passage today because I think it talks to us about the underlying key of broken relationships. If I were to interview this, you this morning and say, uh, first of all, let's just, let's just get this out in the open. How many of you in your life have ever had at least one broken relationship? Would you raise your hand? Thank you for being honest. In the first service, there weren't some that were honest, and that's because they have their head in the ground, and they won't admit that they have a relationship problem. But I always say, if you didn't raise your hand, write a book so we can buy it because we'd like to know everything you know, okay? I think all of us could say, yep, there's been a few relationships that have been broken that I'm glad that we're broken, and there are some that were broken that I really regret that they were broken. And if I said to you, why were those relationships broken? You would probably say, well, it's because of this, or it's because of that, or it's because of something else. But I want to take a magnifying glass, and I want to look behind what we see as we think was the real reason that relationship was broken. I submit to you today that I believe that all broken relationships are a result of fear. Say fear, fear. I really believe that today, and I hope I can show you that in Scripture, and I hope the Holy Spirit will help us to realize that today. Our fears break and bust relationships. I think there are... uh, Three basic fears that cause relationship wrecks, and if you want to take notes uh, there, in your, there in your handout there. My fear of exposure, my fear of exposure makes me distant, makes me distant. Say that, makes me distant. 
My fear of exposure makes me distant. You say, well, what are you saying there? I'm saying this. We all have things inside of us that we don't like about us. Amen? Right? I mean, I can give you a list of things that I don't like about me. And, and then what happens a lot of times, because we don't like those things about us, we try to keep people at least at arm's length. You can get this close to me, but you can't come this close. Because if you get really close to me and you really know me, then you know all of the things about me that I don't like. And when you find out those things about me that I don't even like about myself, then you're going to reject me just like everybody else. So we keep people at a distance. If you get close enough, you see my warts. You, you, see, you see the things that, you, you see what the makeup couldn't cover when you get close to me, right? We all want to put on that scene that we've all got it together. So that's why as a pastor, I just out and blurt out to you my failures, my shortcomings. So that when you get to know me, you say, oh, well, I knew that before. You told me about that, all right? So I think relationships would be a whole lot better if we wouldn't fear uh, that, that people are going to know something about us. And then we keep them at a distance. God called to Adam in verses 9 and 10. Look at that in your notes. He said, why are you hiding? Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Real transformation happens when we begin to acknowledge the truth about ourselves. I may ask you today, hey, how's your marriage going? Oh, it's awesome. I got the best husband. I got the best wife. And under your breath, you're thinking, oh, what a jerk I married. But you don't want me to know that. Because we got to paint this picture that everything is great. Hey, how's your finances? Oh, we're doing good. How's your spiritual life? Oh, I just love Jesus. I just, I just love him so much. Transformation happens when we own up to the truth about ourselves, the truth about our marriage, the truth about our spiritual life, the truth about our finances, and the truth about broken relationships in our life. We have to get honest with ourselves, honest with God, and honest with other people. Fear causes us to hide. My, my question to all of us today, including myself, what are you hiding from? What are you pretending that's not a real problem in your marriage, in your life, in your relationship with your kids? What is it in your life you're not facing, but you're faking? Uh, that word naked there, nakedness, if you want to know what it means in the Hebrew, it just means exposed uncovered, vulnerable, out in the open. He says, look, you know, I, I was afraid because I was exposed, I was uncovered, I was vulnerable, and I was out in the open. And so then because of that fear, we, we, we just keep people at a distance. And sometimes we keep God at a distance because we don't, we don't want to really get vulnerable with God because he may want to deal with some stuff in my life. And so we keep people at a distance. But we don't just immediately keep people. There are steps. Uh, and the first step is shame. Say shame. That's the first step that causes me to be distant. In verse 7 it says, They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. When we disobey God, or we do something we know we shouldn't do, or we don't do something that we know that we really should do, then shame comes into our life, and we carry that shame. Some of you uh, 
some of you are not able even to be vulnerable and open to your spouse because you're carrying shame in your life from something that happened maybe in a previous marriage or a previous relationship. And you keep stuffing it. You keep pushing it down. And in those times of intimacy, when when you really want to develop that, your spouse says to you, "I, I just feel like you're somewhat distant. Oh, no. Everything is good. I'm all fine. But in the back of your mind, you're carrying that shame for something that happened. And because of that shame, you begin to move away from relationships that will be long-term. They felt shame. And then they, be- they went through the stage of cover-up. When you feel shame, then you're going to have to do something to cover, up, cover that up, right? So they sewed fig leaves to cover themselves. And they hid from God among the trees. We don't sow fig leaves anymore, right? Yeah. But relationally, we sow fig, tree, fig leaves. We cover up our insecurities. How do we cover it up? Sometimes it's humor. You've been the class clown for years. You, you walk, you always, somebody comes in the room and you always got a joke to tell them. You're always trying to get people to laugh. You ever wonder about that? Why that way? Not every time, but sometimes it's because it's a trick that I've learned. It's how to cover up my insecurities, how to cover up from keep you really getting close to me. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's, uh, it's just being loud. It's just being loud. You ever seen anybody like that? They walk into a room and they're loud. They're louder than everybody else. They take over. They take over the entire room. Why? Because you see, if I get quiet, then somebody may come up to me and get to know me, all right? So they're loud. I'm not saying just because you're loud, you know, just because you're like Vance. You walk into a room and you're taking over the room, okay? I'd say it before some of you thought it, all right? So here it is. But, it, but it's not that. And then sometimes it's not that, but it's we become or we're around people that are manipulative. They take over. They take over the conversation. They to- take over everything. Why? Because they don't want you to get close. And then we do it with image. What if I wear the right clothes? If I wear the right, if I fix my hair right? And then we, we do it with our, with our social media. You know, if some people's marriage and life were as good as what they put on, on Facebook, we should give you an honorary doctorate degree and let you teach a message on great marriage relationships. But we use Facebook and social media And then it's, then it's always somebody else's fault that something happened. It's just the insecurities. It's the insecurities that we're not comfortable with ourselves. We're not comfortable with who we are, and we try to cover it up with the right words, a cool attitude. And then we move to that distance. We keep people away. We keep them at a distance. So my fear of exposure, number one, makes me what? Distant. And second of all, my fear of disapproval makes me defensive. It makes me defensive. So we... Uh, we move from hiding something to hurling insults. We move from excusing to abusing. Somebody says something to us, you know, well, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, I just can't imagine you would do that. Why would you do that? And we start pointing fingers. What do you mean, me? Look what you did. Look how you handled this. It, this broken relationship, this marriage conflict that we have, it's your fault, sister, buddy, whatever it is, and we 
We move from we move from being distant. Now we're confrontational. We're defensive. We're defensive. Listen, when you meet critical, perfectionist people, you know why they're like that? You know why they point out the imperfections in your life? Because they know they're in, our, in their life. And if I can point it out in you before you point it out in me, then you've lost and I've won. And, and so, so when you see people that are just overly, I'm not talking about people who want to do it right. Sometimes you have people that want to do it right. People say, well, you're just, you can't please anybody. You're just a perfectionist. No, they want to do it right. They don't want to do it half, half lazy like, like a lot of people do things, okay? I wasn't even going there, and some of you went. You need to get resaved today, all right? I, I, you look at that on social media. News commentators. Political parties always attacking the other party <laughs> really think, dude, you did the same thing three years ago. Well, where's, where's all that change? It's that transfer, not making distance, but I'm going to be defensive. I'm not going to let you in. I'm going to do that. A lot of preachers do that. Well, you've got this fault, and you've got that fault, and you've got something else fault. And, and, and hey, what I've learned from experience is a lot of people who constantly Preach on one subject and is always telling people with guilt and condemnation that's you. That's something they're dealing with in their own life. And you give it time, and the news media will expose it and come out. Here's another who failed because of adultery. Who failed because of money. Here's another who failed because of something else. Look, folks, it, it, just, it just happens like that in life. God said, did you eat what I told you not to eat? Look at verse 11 and 12. Adam answered, you gave me this woman, and she gave me the, the fruit. Verse 13, she said, the snake tricked me into eating. In other words, not taking, re wouldn't it be great if we just say, if Adam would just said, you're right, God. I failed as a husband. I was there with her when the devil tempted her. As a husband, I should have stepped up to the plate. I should have said to her, no, we're not going to do that. But you're right, God, I failed. But he doesn't say that. He says, it's not my fault, God. I was, all, all, I was all together with the animals doing good, and you gave me a woman. <laughs> yeah. You gave me a woman. God, I was doing fine before I became a Christian. And I gave you my life, and now you've given me trouble. I was doing fine when I didn't pay tithe. I started paying tithe, refrigerators broke, cars busted. My dog died and my cat ran away. It's your fault, God, because that's your plan. My fear of exposure makes me distant. My fear of disapproval makes me defensive. My fear of losing control makes me demanding. Say demanding. The result of their sin is they lost control. The more out of control you feel, the more controlling we naturally try to become. We become more demanding, more dominating. The more insecure that you are, the more you want to control and manipulate everybody and everything. Hey, these are the details of a prenuptial agreement. And when I read these, you tell me who authored this agreement, the man or the woman. Number one, this is signed by a couple. It was on the radio. Number one, sex three to five times a week. <laughs> 
That gives it away right there, doesn't it? <laughs> Number two, lights out at 11.30. Number three, up at 6.30. Number four, nothing on the floor overnight except when taking trips. Number five, only Chevron high-test gas in the car. And number six, a gas tank always over half full. And who wrote that one? The man. That's right. Here's what God said to, to Eve in verse 16 from the New Jerusalem Bible. You'll have a yearning for your husband, but he'll lord it over you. Berkeley translation says he will dominate you. He says you're going to love your husband, but you both messed up. And he's going to lord that over you. This is where conflict in relationships began. This is where the war of the sexes began. It's, it's that jockeying for position. It's tit for tat. It's who runs this. It's competition, not cooperation. If you have a spirit-filled study Bible, the kingdom dynamics there on chapter 3, verse 16 are awesome. It gives you insight into the Hebrew. We sold out of those Bibles in the last service. We'll order some more and get them next week. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't have a spirit-filled study Bible, you need to get it. It will, it will change your... There are other great study Bibles. I've been in this for 50 years. I've used about every one of them. But I'm going to tell you, the spirit-filled study Bible for a charismatic or a spirit-filled believer is the best you can get, and you need to get it, and I hope we'll get some more in next week. But it's all about that competition. So what is the tool that will transform relationships? Well, let me look into my tool chest. I have one tool today. I'm only going to give you one point. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the one tool. The tool to transform relationships, write this down, is I need to learn to live in God's love. Say that with me. Learn to live in God's love. Let's say it again. Learn to live in God's love. Scripture says, it's right there for you. Read it out loud with me. Wherever God's love is, there is what? Let's say that again. Wherever God's love is, there is? Because God's perfect love drives out all fear. The opposite of, the opposite of fear is not faith. The opposite of fear is love. Fear and love cannot occupy the same house at the same time. Um, this verse there, 1 John 6, says, it is, thought of, it is the thought of punishment, or let me put it in parentheses, it is the thought of negative consequences that makes us a fearful person. How many times in relationships have you been afraid to tell the truth because of the consequences that would come against you? You know, if you said what you really thought and what you really believe when a friend asks you the truth about something, then we say, in our mind, I can't really tell them the truth because if I tell them the truth, they may take it wrong, it may hurt their feelings, and then they may, they may reject me. They may reject me. So, so many of us go through life never saying what we really feel. You know, in a relationship, Sometimes the guys I'm in a relationship with had to say to me, you got to put your big boy panties on and you got to step up to the plate on this one. You've been ignoring this. You haven't, and you see, they say that with every thought that I could say to them, hmm, I'm, I'm not going to listen to you. You're not my friend. You, I, you know. But that's how relationships are built. 
If the relationships are not built on that you can tell me the truth about myself, that's not a relationship. That's a phony baloney, and it won't stand long. Relationships are built on when you can stand in front of somebody and say, you may not like this, but I want you to know you still got to love me to get to heaven, and I'm going to give you the truth about this. If we would do that in marriages, how much that it would change instead of just saying, well, like a turtle, and oh, everything's okay, it's all right. You know, many of you are a turtle, many of you are a skunk. You don't have a problem about letting people know how you really feel. I mean, it's just all over everybody, right? Learn to live in God's love. So the natural question for you today should be, then how, Terry? How do I learn to live in God's love? Well, it's really three sockets you can just put on there. Because just having the tool alone, learn to live in God's love, is not going to help us move anything. But there are three sockets that I want to look at today that's going to help us how to learn how to learn how to live in God's love. And uh, here's, the, here's the first one. Every day, every day, this is what you fill in the blank, every day surrender my heart to God. Say surrender. Every day surrender my heart to God. My heart is the center of emotions. When I wake up in the morning, I need to surrender my heart and my emotions to God. Let me lead you in a little prayer. A prayer would simply be like this. Pray this with me. Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my emotions and my feelings. Control my mind, my heart. I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your love. I want you to look at this next verse. This next verse is so powerful. There are three commands in this verse. And there are eight promises. I want you to look at this. You you can number them as we read through them. There are three commands, and there are eight promises. So jot these down. Look at these in your notes. Command number one, surrender your heart to God. Command number two, it's there in in the bottom of your notes there on the first page. Command number two, turn to him in prayer. And number three, give up your sins, even those you do in secret. So let's read that first part together. Are you ready? Here it is. Let's read this. Surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer. Give up your sins, even those you do in secret. And then look what he, here's the promises. Number one, you won't be ashamed. You won't be ashamed. You will, number two, be confident and fearless. Number two, be confident and fearless. Number three, your troubles will go away like water beneath the bridge. Number three. Number four, the darkest night will be brighter than noon. And number five, you'll rest safe. Number six, you'll be secure. Number seven, you'll be filled with hope. And number eight, you're emptied of worry. So let's look at that again. That's that's awesome verse. Three commands. Terry, surrender your heart to God. Yes, sir. Turn to him in prayer. Okay. Give up your sins, even those you're doing in secret. Okay, just just be honest, vulnerable, open, exposed. Then he says, then you're not going to be ashamed. No shame. You're going to be confident and fearless. No fear to drive you away. Your troubles are going to go away. The darkest night will become bright as noon. You're going to rest safe. You're going to be able to sleep at night. You're going to be secure, and you're going to be filled with hope and emptied of worry. So we need to learn to live in God's love, and that the first way is that we simply surrender my heart to God, number one. 
The second socket would just be this. Every day, I remember the way God loves me. Every day, I remember the way God loves me. Say that with me. Every day, I remember the way God loves me. First of all, what do we do? Every day, I surrender my heart to God. Say it with me. Every day, I surrender my heart to God. And second of all, every day, I remember the way that God loves me. We need to pause and remember how does God, what does, what does God think about me? If I sat down with you today one-on-one, -on -one, and you could just be open, vulnerable, exposed, nothing hiding, and I ask you this simple question, what do you think that God thinks about you? Many of you, because we listen to the voice of the enemy, it would say, well, God thinks that I'm a, that I'm a failure. God thinks that I'm a starter and a stopper. I start so many things and I stop. I start relationship with him and I stop. I start church and I stop. I volunteer and I stop. I, I... God thinks that uh, I'm distant for whatever. But do you know what God really thinks about you? We need to add these things to our mind every day and think. Here's the first one. Here's what God thinks about you. Read it with me. I am completely accepted. Say it again. I am completely accepted. That means the deepest wounds that have been caused by rejection, and we've all had them. We could swap war stories. I could share with you. You know, it used to be people would knife you in the back. Now they smile at you face to face, and they hit you in the heart. We could all have stories. We all have those, and they hurt. And as a result of that, then we tend to pull back from people. And uh, when we feel like that we're not completely accepted, we spend all of our life trying to gain the acceptance of our parents. Through my years of counseling with Dwight, one of the things I've really learned is that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I, I work hard. I want people to, I want people to like me. I, all my life, I, I just wanted my dad to simply say, I'm, I'm proud of you coming up in life, but I always, my dad was a fixer-upper, could do everything. I, I was all thumbs. We'd, we took engines apart, or he took engines apart. I stood there trying to learn, and I couldn't learn. I'd round the head off on a screw. I'd drop it. We couldn't find it. I, I'd do all those things. I would aim at a nail with a hammer, and I would hit my thumb, and I, I remember my dad saying, you better get an education, so you, you sure aren't good with your hands, are you? I was a grown man before I ever heard my dad say, I'm proud of you. We carry that through life. I, I carry that through even a relationship with my wife sometimes. She'll say to me, I'm not your dad. I'm not your dad. I love you. We work so hard at wanting people to just accept us. Total strangers that we don't even know. And we'll do things just to get their approval. We're not even in a relationship with them. The myth is, if I'm perfect, if I've got it all together, then everybody's going to like me. Excuse me? Jesus was perfect. Did everybody like him? What'd they do to him? 
crucified him. You don't need people's approval to be happy. Look at this verse, Titus 3 and 7. Look at this. Read it with me. Jesus made us acceptable to God. Let's read it together. Jesus made us acceptable to God. Say that first line with me. I am completely accepted. Say it. I am com- Say it like you mean it. I am completely accepted. I ask you a question. What does God think about you? Say it with me. I am completely accepted. God thinks that I am accepted just the way that I am. What does God think about you? Here's a second one. I'm unconditionally loved. Say that with me. I'm unconditionally loved. Isaiah 54 and 10. My love for you will never end, says the Lord. He loves me just the way that I am. It's not based on what I do. You say, well, yeah, yeah, Terry, I know know God loves you. He loves you but because you're the preacher. So? God loves you because you have a daily devotion. So? He doesn't love me because I do those. The love is not based on what we do. The love is based on who he is. Say it with me. God is what? God is what? So that love is based for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not because we deserved it. Not because we earned it. Not because of anything about us. But you are loved simply because he is God. And that's a good place to give him a hand clap and a yay God. I am unconditionally loved. And the next one is, I am totally forgiven. Why are you holding on to shame? Why are you holding on to shame? Before God knew you, he knew all the horrible things that you would do, yet before the creation of the world, he had you in mind, and he had in mind that he would come, leave heaven, come to this planet earth, take on human flesh, die for your sins and my sins, because he loved you, he would forgive you totally forgiven. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And the last thing, I'm considered extremely valuable. Say it with me. I'm considered extremely valuable. How do you determine the value of something? You determine the value of something by who owns it and what somebody's willing to pay for it. You may have an heirloom, or you may have a car, or you may have something. You think, man, that thing's, this, it's worth $10,000. And somebody insults you and says, I'll give you three. What do you mean three? It's worth, it's worth 10. It's only worth 10 if somebody's willing to pay 10 for that. God says, you're so valuable. that I won't wait to see how good you can get before you come to me. But before I ever created mankind, I knew they would fall in sin. I knew I could force men to serve me, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to bring heaven to men and give them the option to serve me or not. Even though he knew that you would reject him over and over and over and over, he still chose to create you in your mother's womb to let you be born, and to let you be here today. Why? Because you're valuable. You know the other reason you're valuable? It's because God owns you. 
The devil doesn't own you. God owns you. And I'm going to tell you, if you're one of his kids, if you're one of his, you're valuable. Pick up your head. Don't you let your head drop low. Don't you carry that shame and that guilt and condemnation. You lift your hand up, head up and you say, I am, I am owned by God. I'm valuable. I'm so valuable that he gave the dearest thing that he had, his only son. I had a couple of daughters, but I don't think I'd give either one of my daughters for any of you. Just saying. I might give my life for you, but I wouldn't give them. You see, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is one God. So when we say that God gave his son, we're simply saying God gave himself because he knew that Satan had you in a web and that he wanted to destroy you. But God created the glories of heaven for each of us to get there. And the only way we could get there is to have an atoning sacrifice that would be a pure sacrifice that would die for my sins. And he says, I'll do that because I'm willing to pay the price because you're valuable. Let's say those things. I am completely accepted. I am unconditionally loved. I am totally forgiven. And I'm considered extremely valued. You've been bought and paid for by Christ's death. So we want to learn to live in God's love by surrendering our heart and every day remember the way God loves me. And number three, this is the last one today, I want to every day offer the same love to others. Every day I want to offer the same love to others. There was a dear grandmother that was having her uh, golden anniversary celebration and somebody said, what's the secret of your long-term marriage? She said, on my wedding day, I made a list of 10 things, 10 faults of my husband that I would overlook for the sake of our marriage. A guest said, well, what were those 10 faults? She said, well, to tell you the truth, I never got over to listing them. But whenever my husband did something that made me hopping mad, I just say to myself, lucky for you, that's one of the 10 want it from God. Unconditional love, acceptance, forgiveness. But isn't it amazing sometimes how little we give that to others? It's key to living in God's love. I love this John 13 and 34. It's up on the screen for you. Here's God's word. Read it with me. I'm giving you a new commandment. Not a suggestion, but a commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. That's not an option, but we do that. I was praying this week for someone, and I said, Lord, in my emotions, they're a scoundrel. They really did me bad. And they continually do things. But you said for, that I'm to pray for those who despitefully use me. So, sir, I'm coming to you today out of an act of obedience. I don't feel this, but I will offer them what you've offered me. That in the times I didn't deserve your goodness and your kindness, you gave it to me. Unworthily, you gave it to me. And I stand in worship service with my hands raised and I'm singing songs and my mind is saying, I don't deserve this today. 
And then he reminds me, it's not because I deserve it, it's because he is love. Relationships happen long term when we're willing to show people the same thing and acceptance as we want. Read this next verse with me, Romans 15 and 7. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Wow. Accept, love, forgive, value the way Jesus does for me. I love this next one. Let's read this one. Love never stops being patient. Love never stops believing. Love never stops hoping. Love never gives up. Learn to live in God's love. Let me lead you in a prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me today? Father God, I admit that I've made a mess in some relationships. Some are broken, and others are not the best they could be. I've often settled for less, but I need transformation. I'd like to begin today by asking you to change me. Deliver me from these fears that I've learned about today. Help me not to be defensive, distant, or demanding. From this day on, I want to surrender my heart to you. And I'm doing it now. I surrender my heart to you. I want to live my life in your love, filled with your love. Please replace my shame with your love. When I am afraid of letting others see the real me, remind me how you see me. Thank you that you accept me completely. You love me unconditionally. Thank you for forgiving me totally. Thank you for the high price you paid to save me. Now, Father, help me to accept others as you've accepted me, to love others unconditionally, just as you've loved me. Help me to forgive totally as you have forgiven me and help me to value others as you value me. Dear God, I want to be known as a loving person. I want great love. Help me to extend grace to those around me. Help me to express faith in people. Help me to expect the best in people and to endure whatever happens. To live my life in love. Humbly I ask that in your name. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, I want to talk to a few of you today. You'd say, you know, Terry, when you talked about our sins being forgiven and Jesus coming and dying, I've never experienced that. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. Or maybe, maybe years ago you did, but you've, you've, grown, you've grown cold and you've wandered away. Today, you say, you know what? I need to surrender my life again, fresh and anew. Of all the things I could do today, leading you in a prayer to invite Christ into your life or to rededicate your life today with the greatest honor that I could do today. Whether you're watching online or whether you're here today, if you say, Terry, 
Would you include me in this prayer today? I need to surrender my heart to Jesus. I want to I want to just give up, surrender to him. Maybe for the first time or to rededicate my life. Would you just raise your hand where I can see you and make eye contact with me today? Just just do that right now. Thank you there in the back. Thank you over here. Others today, come on, raise your hand. Be honest today. Say that's me. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Others today, thank you for your honesty this morning. Just lift your hand, say that's me. I want to rededicate my life. Thank you, sir. I want to rededicate. I want to dedicate my life to him for the very first time today. I want him to see it. Nothing about shame there. Lift your hand high. Say, yeah, that's me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you in the back. Thank you for your honesty. I know sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes we think, well, I don't need to really raise my hand. Jesus called people out. He said, follow me. I'm not asking you to step out and come to the altar today. We can do that sometimes, but all I'm asking you today is just to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you're acknowledging to Jesus, not just to me, but you're acknowledging to Jesus. I, I need to surrender. I need to surrender today. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, such honesty, such realness today. Not afraid of what anybody would think or what anybody would say. Let me lead you in a prayer today. Father God, thank you today for loving me, for dying for my sins and coming into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth today that you are Lord, and I believe that in my heart. As best as I know how, I want to serve you the rest of the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you give the Lord a hand clap for those who prayed that prayer today? Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In just a minute, we're going to receive our tithe and our offering, and we drop in our connection card. You can sign up for the, the Band of Brothers meeting for other, other things, uh, and uh, use the giving envelope for your tithe and offering. Uh, but if you prayed that prayer with me today and you raised your hand, there were some over here, 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 some over here, here. If you prayed that prayer on the back where it says, today I became a first-time follower of Jesus, would you check that box? Or I recommitted my life to Jesus. When everybody else puts that connection card in the bucket, would you hold it? Would you bring it outside just as you walk out in the foyer to the left? There's a table that says first step. Would you bring that card by? And uh, we have a Bible we'll give you if you don't have a Bible. We'll give you this book called Now What? Also, there's a gift, a very special gift that Anita and I picked out for you that we want to give you. If you're honest enough today to raise your hand and say, yeah, I prayed that prayer, then I want you to stop by the table, give them that card. I want you to receive the gift that we have for you today. But before we receive the tithe and the offering, I didn't do this in the first service, but I just really feel, I just really feel like the Lord just really spoke to me. I want to, I want to pray for those of us that are married today. I just felt like the Lord, as I was moving into the invitation, the Lord really spoke to my heart and said to say to some of us, if you would give your spouse half the benefit of the doubt that you give to other people, your marriage would be years, years, years down the road. But you try to hold them to a higher standard than even you have yourself. And I just feel like I need to pray for us today. Sometimes that's not easy. 
we see the dirty socks, the dirty underwear, the unkept room, whatever it is. And we just say, oh God, the woman you gave me, the man you gave me. But may we just stop and say, thank you, God. For all the people that I could have been, been married to. I'm married to somebody who's not abusing me. Someone who's trying to serve God. I just feel like I want to pray for you. Is that okay? Maybe if your spouse is sitting beside you, maybe just join hands. Man, I just feel the Holy Spirit. Father, I come to you this morning. And I ask you to strengthen marriages. Marriage between a man and a woman is a picture of your love for the church. The devil can't destroy your church. And he can't destroy the love relationship you have for your church, your bride. But every time he can bring discord, and division, and distance between a couple, he jumps up and down and he loves it. Because that's another fist in the air towards you that there's a failure in a broken marriage. Father, I pray today an overwhelming sense of love, acceptance, forgiveness in marriages today, in this house and those that are watching. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to receive our tithe and offering. Please don't scurry out. I just got a couple more announcements, and then I want to release a blessing over you. And uh, come on, ushers, receive our tithe. Drop in your change. It goes to help change the world and uh, help change people. So let's, let's worship. feeds a kid for two days and then there are uh, $50 vouchers there's a $100 voucher there's $250 vouchers and then there's this one that's blank so you could write in $5,000 Honduras has had some tough times they were telling me in between services you know they raise chickens they have a lot of wild they have a lot of stock that they have on the campus but because of some conditions that's happened there they had to kill all of their chickens they had to do all of that start all over 
But Mary said, not one child has gone unfed for one day because of houses like this that help sponsor them. So I'd really like for us to help this team as they go, all right? Let me release the blade. Oh, next week, man, I wasn't going to do this teaching. It's on how to have a healthy, how to have a healthy vocation or the, um, the mission for your life. I wasn't going to teach it, but the more, the more we got close, the, the Lord just kept dealing with it. You've got to teach that. You've got to teach it. And so I'm, I'm going to bring that next week. So invite somebody to come because we need a healthy vocation. We need to be able to have a good job, keep that job, walk up the ladder in that job, be the best that we can because we're his kids, okay? I just got to share this with you next week. So invite somebody. Invite somebody you think's a loser. Invite someone who has been a loser and you see potential in them so that next week God can speak to them. I love you guys. Let me bless you today. I bless you today in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I bless you with peace. I bless you with joy. I bless you with the overwhelming love and forgiveness and value that God brings into your life and that you may release that unto others. And as we leave this week, let's love God. Let's help people and let's build the kingdom. Hey friends, thanks for watching today. And I believe that today's teaching was life changing for you. We prayed that way and we believe that it would. And so I just want to say in advance, thank God for how he changes our life through the power of his word. I would um, encourage you today that if you've never made Jesus the savior of your life, the Lord of your life, I would love to pray with you today and for you to make that decision. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. That's what's so very important. So I'll pray a prayer and uh, you put your heart to it and you pray this prayer after me. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins on the cross. I could never get good enough to come to you in your holiness. But I know that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again on the third day to give me a new start, a new beginning. So today I repent of my sins and I invite you into my life. And as best as I know how, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit and help me to walk day by day in your strength and your power. Man, I hope you prayed that prayer today. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you call the church office or let us know that you prayed that prayer. I have a book that I'd like to give you that'll help you know the next steps to take. Uh, giving our heart to the Lord is not just something that we do to get the guilt or the bad feeling away, but it's a life change. It's new things that we start doing and the book that I want to give you will help you in that. Also, if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to join with you in praying about those. And uh, if the Father's house and these teachings have uh, blessed you and you've benefited from them, would you consider supporting the Father's house? Uh, first of all, through prayer and encouragement. And second of all, through financial support. That's how we continue to keep our missionaries going. That's how we're able to keep these sermon series going out to you. And so if you'll just ask God what he would have for you to do, I would really appreciate it. So just remember, here at the Father's house, we don't care where you've been. We just care where you're going. And I think you're going in the right direction. So I want to see you next week as you watch here from the Father's house as we bring you the word that will change your life.